Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show his began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. What's going on in this story is that Jesus takes all of his disciples together and is kind of explaining to them, like, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to raise again. There's going to be a resurrection. This is how it has to happen. And then Peter, uh, in normal Peter fashion, steps up and says, well, this ain't going to happen to you, Lord. We're going to make sure you don't get uh, crucified on the cross. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. What are you doing? You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. The, the message today is how to get your mind right. And getting your mind right is very, very important because it translates to every other part of your life. It really does. If you don't have the right mind, things do not go well. And you've seen it in your own life. Like if your mind is not right, you don't want to be at the job that you're at. You know it, your employer knows it, everybody else knows it. As soon as your heart is no longer in it, people start coming up to you and putting your hand, the hand on the shoulder and be like, are you okay? Why am I not okay? I'm here, ain't I? Once you mentally check out with your mind at a job, everybody knows. Once you mentally check out at a church, everybody knows. Once you mentally check out in your relationships, people know. It's important that you have your mind right. It's important that you understand who you are, whose you are, what you're concerned with, and what you need to be paying attention to. Specifically in your spiritual life, it's important that you have your mind right. And I'll tell you the end of this sermon before we go through the whole entire thing, it's really quite easy. You need to have the mind for the things of God, not the mind for the things of man. Because that was Peter's issue. Peter's issue was he was more concerned with the things of man than the things of God. And whenever you start to be more concerned with the things of man instead of the things of God, your mind is not right and you need to get your mind right. Some of you are here this morning and you are not doing well because your mind is not right. Some of you have been trapped in the prison of your own mind and you're, you're not able to experience the freedom that Christ provides through the cross because you do not have your mind right before God. And so this morning, I'm going to teach you a few things about getting your mind right so you can walk in freedom. Amen? Amen. Now, in this scripture, it's important for you to understand what this word offense means. And the, and the reason why it's important is because in this scripture, <clears throat> Jesus calls Peter Satan, which to me, it's kind of a big deal. Jesus is calling you Satan. Like, be concerned. So Jesus calls Peter Satan, and he says, you're an offense to me. And this word offense in the American sense is so much different than in the biblical sense. If I said to you, and I said, hey, you're an offense to me, you would think you must have hurt my feelings, right? Because that's what we mean. We say, oh, it's so offensive. Like, Like, we get offended, right? Somebody tweeted about me that I didn't know. Like, we get offended. And, and, and that, that word offense in the American sense is when somebody comes against our principles, our thoughts, our ideas, and we find it offensive that they would come against what we believe. We choose to be offended because someone doesn't agree with our flavor of peanut butter or whatever. You know what I mean? 
In the Bible sense, though, like, and this is the problem with American language, is that we have one word for everything, right? There's one word for love. The Greek has five, right? We have one word for snow. The Eskimos have a hundred. Like, and so when it, when it comes to offense, we only think of offense in the sense of like, you've said something that is going to offend, that has offended what I believe. Now, when Jesus says this and he says, to Peter, you are an offense to me. He's not saying that you have hurt my feelings. Like, that's not Jesus. Like, Jesus doesn't get his feelings hurt because somebody said something to him. Make sense? When, what Jesus is saying to him, when he says that you're an offense to me, he's saying you are a stumbling block to me. You are, a, you are trying to lead me astray. You're trying to bring me in another direction, and that is an offense to me. It is uh, unlawful. It's, it's not good. It's tripping me up. It's, it's not good at all. And so uh, Jesus saying offense to Peter is not in an emotional kind of like hurt my feelings kind of sense. It's in a sense of like I have a plan that I am following that is laid out by God. I am to die, to be buried, to be resurrection, uh, to be resurrected. I'm supposed to pay the penalty for all mankind's sin and you want to stop that process because that's what Peter was saying. Peter said, no, 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 you don't need to go to the cross. Jesus, we're going to protect you. We're going to take care of you. You're, you're not going to have to do that. We're going to do everything that we need to do to keep you from doing that. And, and Jesus says, no, dude, no, that's an offense. You're a stumbling block. You're keeping me from what I need to do. And what he says very clearly is he says, <clears throat> Because you have the mind of men and not the mind of God. Amen. Yeah. Which is why we're talking today about keeping your mind right. Because what happens is, is that we, like Peter, get led astray. We get taken in another direction in our lives because we begin to think about what's good for us, yeah. not about what's good for God. Peter said it would be bad for Jesus to, to leave me. It would be bad for Jesus to not be able to speak to me on a regular basis. And so in his mind, his plan is, you know what? I'm going to keep Jesus from going to the cross. And he didn't understand, even though just previously, Jesus had spoken directly to him, told him about the plan. It says it right there, death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, you know what, I, 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 I'm going to completely forget what Jesus just told me just one, one scripture ago. It wasn't in the Bible, but you know what I'm saying. I'm going to completely forget, and now I'm going to have my own plan. I'm going to have my own idea of what it is that I think that Jesus should be doing. Commentator Ellicott says this, Peter's sin lay in the fact that his mind was set on the things of this earth. It's outward pomp and pageantry measuring the future by a human, not a divine standard. How many of you have measured the future by a human and not a divine standard? Right? You think, I mean, with everything that goes on around us, that's what, that's what trips us up, isn't it? We're measuring things by a human standard, not a divine standard. With our carnal mind and our carnal eyes and our carnal desires, we look at that which is going on around us and say, how is this going to affect me? Because that's what Peter said. How is this going to affect me? That's why he wanted to stop Jesus from going to the cross, because he felt as though it was going to affect him personally. Same thing with us. When things start to affect us personally, that's when we get involved. Once it doesn't affect us personally, we really don't have a lot of an opinion on it. It starts to affect us perfectly, uh, personally, then we start to get inside of uh, the problem. Peter has a plan to keep Jesus from going to the cross. He wants to defend Jesus. And it's admirable 
But it's not what Jesus wants him to do. This is why Jesus, uh, and, and he calls him Satan, which is really, it's pretty bad, but it's the measure of which, I mean, if you go back in, earlier in Matthew, when Satan came against Jesus, Jesus used the word of God against me and said, get behind me, Satan. It's that same thought of just like, you're keeping me from what I need to do. I, my, the plan of Jesus was to go to the, it had always been to go to the cross. Go to the cross, die, in the, die for the sins of humanity so that we can walk in forgiveness and grace. And if you're here this morning, you don't understand Christianity. That's the basis of Christianity. We were, we were in a bad place. We were dead in our sins. Jesus went to the cross so that he could free us from those sins. And that was the plan all along. It's the story of Easter. Yeah. And Peter wants to stop that plan. So how do we get our minds right? How do we get our minds right? Well, first off, the first thing you have to do to understand how to get your mind right is you have to understand that you actually can offend God. Like that's so important. Now, in the context of this verse, Jesus says, you're an offense to me. You're a stumbling block. You currently cannot be a stumbling block to stopping God's plan because you're not there. Amen? Amen. Peter could have been a stumbling block. So, because we have time together this morning, I thought it would do well to spend some time talking about how you actually can become an offense to God. Amen. Aren't you guys excited? It's be a growing time for you and I together. Because in the biblical sense, when, I, when, when the, the word says that you are an offense to God, it's not that you're a stumbling block. It's not that you're stopping God's plan. It's that the actions that you are taking that are contrary to the scriptures are a putrid abomination to his nostrils. That he doesn't like that which you do that is contrary to the word of God. And so for us, if, if we're saying, I want to have a mind that's right. I want a mind that's mindful for the things of God, not mindful of the things of man. Man wants to sin. Man wants to, to be caught up in, in, in bad things. God does not want that for us. And so if, if we're going to stand before God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to live for you. I, I want to be mindful of your things, not mindful of the things of man. Understanding that we can offend God with our actions is very, very important. Yeah. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says, You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or a sheep which has blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. And in the Old Testament, when you offered up a lame sheep or a lame bull as a sacrifice to God, it was offensive to him. He did not like it. It was rude. It was, God, God would say, no, I don't like this at all. And, and, and in the same way for us today, when we live our lives uh, seemingly trying to live our lives towards God and we allow these sins inside of our lives, what happens is, is that we become an offense to God as well. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted, because there's really two types of an offense. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're like, man, I don't believe this bunk. This guy's spaghetti monster. Like, you don't care about none of it. It's true. People think this about God. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't, you haven't, you've never accepted Christ's forgiveness for your sins. The Bible says that you are an offense to him. The Bible says that you're under his wrath. And, and, and the offense in the, in the biblical sense is, is an abomination it's, it's a, uh, uh, something disgusting. It's an abhorrence. It's, it's idolatry if you're not a Christian. It's an abomination. Now, if you are a Christian and you've accepted Christ and you receive forgiveness of, your, uh, of, of, of his sins, there's still other parts of your life 
that you're not really dealing with that are still an abomination to God. You, you are no longer an abomination, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but there's parts of your life and your heart that you're like, man, I got to clear that stuff out, right? There, there's stuff that just shouldn't be there. And, and, and when, when we preach at this church, and I do, man, I preach a lot about sin. And the reason why I preach a lot about sin is because I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. Yes. And it's, it's not because I want to make you feel bad about who you are. It's because I want to challenge you to go through your mind and think, what is it that's in here that I'm believing that is not of God, that is keeping me from walking out the fullness of who God has called me to be? And it's a good exercise, right? It's a good exercise to go through your mind and think, man, I'm thinking something I shouldn't think. I'm doing something that I shouldn't do. I'm not living the life that God has called me to live. And there's something tangible that I can do to fix that. And it starts with my mind. You know, many, many years ago, uh, we were living in our old house and uh, it was a 70 split level. You've been in it many times, right? Up and down. There's one, one bathroom, one bedroom downstairs, three bedrooms, one bathroom upstairs. There's a million of these houses in America. So we're there. And like many people in the Northwest, we don't have air conditioning. And it was, I don't know, the beginning of August, middle of August, something like that. And our house just began to stink. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe you live in your filth. We don't. Uh, but like our house just stunk. And when I say stunk, it was like, like a curdled milk, like rotten flesh, like dirty diaper kind of smell. You know what I mean? Like one of those smells where you're walking around the house and you're like, man, what did you eat yesterday? You know what I mean? Like just, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. All right. So we're there and God bless my wife. She's one of the cleanest people alive. And so she just goes crystal on the house, man. She's just like, she's emptying garbages, cleaning the inside, taking out all those old vegetables. You know, the rotten broccoli that sits in the back that it usually is in the back of the fridge, right? Rotten vegetables. She cleans it all out and, you know, wipes everything down. And we're just sitting in the living room and she's like, it's still there. Like, what is, is it you? Like, what is it? So then she went DEFCON 4. Like then it's like, then it's really going for it. So she's, she's opening up stuff, going through stuff. And she goes into Gabe's bedroom. <laughs> now mind you, he's in the sixth grade, okay? So it wasn't like recently. So she goes into Gabe's bedroom and she just starts going through stuff. And she's throwing stuff out. And then she found his backpack from the last day of school and opens up the backpack and finds his lunchbox and opens up the lunchbox and finds the turkey sandwich that was from the last day of school in June. Man, that thing stunk. I knew when she had found it because the stink got worse. And she's like, I found it! I found it! I mean, it was the last day of school. They had a pizza party, right? What kid wants to eat a sandwich on a pizza party day? And he comes home from school on the last day, throws that backpack. Is that me? I didn't say anything.
spit on it. It's got Mikhail's spit on it. It's anointed. I don't know, I can preach with one hand, but I'll do it. Probably need to buy a new one of those things. We'll do it this week. Anyway, back to the dirty sandwich. Let's make it a point. Now, here's the point. The dirty sandwich is the sin in your life. That's the whole point of the story. The point of the story is that the dirty sandwich is the sin in your life, man. But that's what we do, isn't it? We, 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 we have this smell that permeates in our house. And we just live in this filth because we refuse to go into the nooks and crannies of our hearts and say, do you know what, man? There's something that is inside of me that need not be here that is stinking up the rest of my life. It's really the whole, the whole point of looking into our hearts and saying, Lord, if there be anything inside of me, let it be removed. And, and that may not be your heart, but I know that that's my heart. My, the, the heart that I have is that, God, I want to have a, a life that honors you. I want to have a life that's pleasing to you. And so any exercise that I can use to be able to look inside of my heart and say, you know what? There's something inside of me that need not be there. I want to clean that thing out as quickly as possible. Amen. Amen. It's sin. It's disgusting. Now, the Bible lists many things that are an abomination to God. Robin, will you turn me down just a little bit? I know it's different because the sound was, they're used to me on the other one, but this one is not, but it's fine. The Bible lists many things that are an abomination to God, and it's important that we understand these things that are an abomination to God because we don't want to do these things either willfully or by accident. Amen? We don't want to be an offense to God. The Bible says that occult practices are an offense to God. That means that if you're doing something that is of a pagan nature or pagan religion, you don't want anything to do with those things. And so you want to do everything that you can to not walk in that at all. That's why I don't agree with horoscopes. I don't agree with other religions. I don't agree with yoga. I don't agree with any of that stuff because it's all religion. I don't want anything to do with it. Some of y'all just got your yoga cart kicked over. You're like, what? He doesn't, yeah, I don't like yoga. Go for a run, stretch. All right. It's true. All right. The next thing is that unbiblical sexual relations. This is an offense to God, man. It's an abomination. Biblical sex is a biological man and a biological woman married. Yeah. Anything else than that is outside of God's ideal. God doesn't like those things. It's an abomination to God to offer an unholy sacrifice. That's why we say at our church that, like, don't give your money to God if you're not a Christian. God does not need your money. Like, he wants your heart. And so until you're where you need to be with Jesus, there's no reason for you to offer up sacrifices to him. Bad business dealings are an offense to God. If you're a business owner and you don't do things right in the business world before God, the Bible says that that's an abomination. It's unequal uh, weights and measures, and God doesn't like those things at all. It's important that you should deal well in your business. Uh, wickedness, injustice, all of these things are things that God does not look kindly upon. You've got to get your mind right and say, am I doing things that God does not like, that God does not appreciate? Not listening to God is an abomination. Uh, doing injustice is an abomination. All, the, all these things are an abomination. Now, in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, it actually lists us a few things that are an abomination to God. And so uh, we're going to go over these real quick because we have time together. Amen? Amen. Tried to shut me down with the microphone. It's not going to happen. 
got a limited amount of microphones. I don't even, you know, the only reason I use this microphone so it doesn't feel like I'm yelling at you and people that are watching online can hear me, but it's fine. So Proverbs 6, 17 to 19 has these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Yeah. Let me do this. Let me go over these real quick. Because for us, if we're going to have our mind right, we don't want to be an offense to God. Amen? And so if, if, if we don't want to be an offense to God, it would be good. And we don't have time to go through all of the things that we do that are an offense to God, but it's a good measure to be able to say, okay, these are some things that I could be focusing on that apply to most of us. Proud look. Now, pride look is, in, in the biblical sense, is the idea that I have a better plan than God has. Because that's what pride is. Pride is saying, I, I mean, it was the original sin, right? Did God really say? And so for us as Christians, if we're going to walk in the things that God wants us to walk in, we've got to stay away from understanding that our plan is better than God's plan. It's the same thing that Peter did. A proud look is a sense of pride that says, you know what? I've looked at all of the information and I understand that I have a better plan than God has. Jesus, excuse me, the, uh, God says that he hates that. He hates a proud look. The Bible also says that a lying tongue, it seems pretty easy, but if you mislead others with your mouth and lead them to believe something that is not true, God hates those things. That's what the scripture says. He says that he hates these things. Hands that shed innocent blood. Now, I'm sure that most of you aren't going through your week going out stoning people, so it's not as, uh, as applicable today to say hands that shed innocent blood, but we do it all the time with our mouths. We slander people with our mouths. We make people look bad. We say bad things about people. Jesus doesn't like those things at all. Uh, a, a heart that devises wicked plans. Now, Again, you guys say, well, I don't understand the applicability of, of uh, a heart that devises wicked plans. And luckily, you have a pastor that sometimes will have wicked plans in his heart. Uh, you guys don't ever have wicked plans in your heart? Thank you for that quick hand. I'll give you an example. Like, have you ever gotten um, uh, in, in an argument with somebody online, and then you just kind of, like, use the Internet to find where they live and see how much airline tickets would t cost to be able to fly there and then, like, show up at their door and be like, remember me? You didn't think I was this big, did you? Six five. Where are we at? Let's go. Have you guys ever taken it that far in your mind? Thank you. Thank you. In your mind. In your mind. Some of you are like, no, I just live my life in constant prayer. I've never been cut off in traffic and thought what it would look like to follow them home and smash your car into the side of them. Okay. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? Okay, good. You know what? You guys are so quiet this morning. And then I start talking about sin and all this other stuff. And, and it's always the same. You're like, do not make a, don't you make a noise. He's going to think it's you. <laughs> Let me let you in on a secret. It's all of us. It's all of us. You can say amen to something that's true to you. And there's nothing wrong with the promises of God are yay and amen. That's a wrong mind to devise a wicked plan. Feet that are swift to evil, it's kind of the same. That's, that's really someone that looks for a way to do evil in, in any way that they can. A false witness who speaks lies, that's you have an opinion on something even though you didn't see it. Well, I wasn't there, but I sure have an opinion on it. So I'm going to spread false lies and lead people to believe things that aren't true. And then my favorite, one who sows discord among the brethren. Now, basically what that is, is that's doing all those first 
six things that we just talked about. But in addition to that, using gossip and slander to turn people against each other within the church. The Bible says it's an abomination. The Bible says that God hates that. And I'll give you an example is that spreading discord within the church is really not that hard. All you have to do is start talking about somebody that you don't know and telling other people to believe something that isn't true because you've got a mind that isn't right. Uh, and I'll use an example of Pastor Jay. Uh, you guys may not know this, but I'll explain it to you. Pastor Jay is an all-American hero. Like, he is... Uh, He's a firefighter. He, he, if you've ever seen that movie, Backdraft, that's basically his life. <laughs> like, all he does is open jacket, kicking in doors. He doesn't wear any oxygen and carries an axe. <laughs> and all he does is just save people. That's what he does. Now, what you uh, may also know is that Pastor Jay, in, in addition to being a full-time firefighter, he's a full-time pastor here at Faith and Victory Church. Not paid, might I ask. Him and his beautiful wife are both not paid full-time pastors at Faith and Victory Church. Um, you can give him a hand for that. It's fantastic. They kill it. But like we said a few weeks ago, we're meaning-making creatures try to make things make sense what they are. Jay and Shelly are up here together, every service together. Because Jay's a firefighter, sometimes he has to work on a Sunday. Sometimes he has to work two Sundays in a row. Sometimes he has to work three Sundays in a row. And so if you don't know them and you see them together all the time up in the front row and then one Sunday Jay isn't there and you don't know his story, you don't know anything about his life and you look at your friend, you're like, hey, what's going on with Jay and Shelly, man? Where's their marriage? Like, they're always together. And then if you notice the last couple of weeks, like, Jay's not at church. Have you seen that? What do you think it is? Yeah. <laughs> so good. That, but that's what people do. Yeah. Did you see Marcus and Gaia? They showed up late for church today. <laughs> what do you think's going on with them? <laughs> Nothing. They're always late. <laughs> true. I keep like, should I go around and do everybody? It'd be fun. But that's what people do, right? Limited, limited information, not understanding how things work. So it stand a reason we don't want to do those things, right? So how do we, how do we, so we understand things that can be an offense to God. And this is what we're going to, I guess I still have a few more minutes. Well, uh, how far am I? Oh, dude, we've got, oh, we've got lots of time. I haven't even gotten into the sermon. Here we go. So how do we, how do we not, I got to be completely honest with you. Do you know how hard it is for me to preach like this? All I'm thinking about is this microphone the whole entire time. It just bothers me. Like I, I haven't preached with a microphone in my hand in like 15 years. I just, so anyway, how do we not offend God? It's brilliant, but my neck's going to hurt for another 20 minutes. We keep our mind. I wish you guys could live in my world. We keep our minds on what he wants. That's what we do. We keep our mind on what he wants. The word of God is the discerner of our thoughts, thoughts and intents of our heart. That's what it says. And this was the issue that Peter had back to our story with Jesus is that he was not thinking about what God wanted. He was thinking about what he wanted. If, if he would have had the mind of Christ, he would have 
understand what Christ had wanted, not what he wanted. And, and for us, uh, we, we always have to keep that in mind of, of what we know about what God's intent is, the large intent for our life. It's not about the details. It is. But like so many of these things, it's like we have to lay them out and, and say things like, well, don't lie and don't have a proud look and don't do these things. When it's like, come on, man, you know the commander's intent. You, you, know what, you know what he wants out of you. When I was back when I was in the army, we always knew what the commander's intent was. And so if he gave us direction and then somebody wanted to change the direction, we're able to say like, no, dude, that's not what we were told to do something. You want us to do something else. We're not going to do that because that's not the intent of the commander. It's no different with commander Jesus. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be loving people, forgiving people, serving people, all those basics of Christianity, where if you put those through a filter of everything else that goes on in our lives, a lot of times like, dude, are we doing those things? that he had intended for us to do? If no, get your mind right. Get back to what Jesus has told you to do. Because we, like Peter, we quickly forget what God tells us to do. That's why it's so, like, it's so important for you to come on a regular basis and hear the word of God because we're humans. We forget stuff. And when you hear it on a constant basis, it constantly reminds you of what you need to be doing. Jesus said this to Peter, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And it's, and let me tell you this, although it's natural, it's not beneficial, but it's natural that your carnal mind would drift away from the things of God. Yes. That doesn't make you abnormal. It makes you normal because you're a spirit person that lives inside of a, of a fleshly body. And this fleshly body wants to draw you into sin at all times. And so if you're not involved with the process of really like fighting this mind, this mush all the time, you will find yourself in places that you didn't want to be, doing things that you didn't want to do, believing things that you didn't want to believe because you decided to not get your mind right. It's the reason why, like, when I'm driving alone in the car, I'm in my prayer time, or if I'm here worshiping, like, I, I, like I'm just like this all the time. I'm like, oh, get that out of my head. Because I, I, you guys probably just think about daisies and good stuff, but, like, I get these thoughts in my head that are just, like, they're despicable, man. And I don't know why, but it always happens when I'm worshiping God. Like, I'm, I can be Oh, you guys start worshiping God. It's like death, mayhem. Like, it's just like these things go inside of my mind. And so in that moment, I have a choice. I can be like, you know what? I'm going to get my mind right. I'm going to think about things that are good and pure and righteous and holy, or I'm going to allow my mind to go somewhere where they're not supposed to go because the flesh wants what the flesh wants. The spirit wants what the spirit wants. And if you're not in the battle, you're going to lose. You've got to battle it. You, you, when those thoughts come into your mind, you have to identify. The Bible says you have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so when those thoughts come into your mind, the thought itself, while it may be evil, some of that stuff you can't even control. The only thing you can control is, am I going to root on this? Am I going to focus on this? Am I going to think about this? Or am I going to change my mind and say, you know what? I don't know what I need to do, but I need to get this thing out of my mind so I can have my mind right so I can honor God with my life. Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And this is normal. I don't think it's abnormal. I think that if you think about fleshly things, you're just on this earth with us. I know I think about fleshly things. I know that, uh, that it's a battle, right? Like how many of you think about your job when you're not there? Like three of you, you liars. We just got done talking about lying. 
You think about your job. You think about your coworkers. You think about your boss. You think about what it all means. You, you're not at work, but you're still there in your brain sometimes. You think about what's going on with other people. Yeah. Why, why are we so consumed with what's going on with other people? Why? Why do I care what, why? But we do it, right? You end up sitting around and like, what are they, what are they doing? Like, what do they mean? Like, why did they buy that? Like, what did they do at the job? And why did they move? And do you guys not do this? You know what's funny is I sit up here and I lay myself on the coals for you guys, admitting my faults, and then I'm looking for an amen for someone to be like, yes, that's me. And you guys just look at me and be like, you know what, man? You sad, sad man. <laughs> We've got our mind rights, and you should do the same. Well, I'll just continue to talk for my own benefit up here. What's going on with our kids? It can consume you. Like, you've got kids, and it doesn't matter what age they are, who are their friends, who are they with, what are they doing, their success, all of those things. What's going on with our health? Why? You know, as I'm getting older, it seems to be more of the conversation. Like, hey, how's it going? Well, I got this tendonitis in my elbow. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I'm going to the doctor. I've been taking some ibuprofen. What about you? Well, you know, I got this pill I'm taking for this thing. And why is it like, and we sit, like you spend more time on WebMD than you do on Netflix, right? <laughs> I mean, I always come out and Chris was like, were you online? Yeah, I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> just pack it up. Because that's him, WebMD, the end is always like, probably dying, go see your doctor. <laughs> consumes us, right? Swallow wrong, eat too much food, a little bit of pain in your chest, like this is the big one. I'm going. (laughs) What's going on with our money? Gosh, you guys refuse to be honest. I know you think about your money, man. Think about how much you make, how much you could make. You think about your investments. You think about your retirement. You think about what you don't want to spend money on, so you can spend money on everything. It, It consumes your mind. We think about it all the time. Think about what's going on with our houses and our cars, our vacations, our social media, our television, the national news, wars, politicians, taxes, gas prices, Biden, Trump, Pelosi, all that stuff. And all of this is driven by a media powerhouse that attempts to keep our attention 100% of the time. They literally create things for you to focus on. I mean, I don't know if you guys, earlier this week, I saw a guy that's worth $260 million walk up on a stage and smack another man in his face that was worth $60 million. Did anybody else see that this week? Did you talk about it this week? Why do you care that two people you don't know hit each other at a show that you shouldn't have been watching in the first place? There was thousands of people that smacked another dude across the face at some bar in America this week. Pow. You know, the truth is, if everybody heard what you said about people, you probably should have been smacked in your face too. But but 
yeah, and, and then the point is, I mean, we talked about it, man. We talked about it for hours because there's a lot of layers to it and everything else, right? Come on, be honest. If you talked about it this week, raise your hand. Good, right? Here's the point, though. The point is why? To what benefit? Was it was it godly? Was it was it something that drew you closer to Jesus, or was it a diversion to keep you? Did you talk that much about the Word this week? Did you talk about the? Did you pray that long this week? Did you talk more about Chris Rock and Will Smith than you talked to God this week? Romans 8, 5 and 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's very simple. If you're living in the flesh, the Bible says that you cannot please God. And it's not that we can ignore all these things. You can't, ign you can't ignore your spouse and your kids and your finances and all this other stuff. You're like, well, I'm just living in the spirit. Like you got to be pragmatic about it, right? Like I said, you got to clean out your house. But you can say, you know what? I'm not going to be consumed with the things of this world. I'm not going to be so overly concerned that it takes away my joy. I'm not going to be so focused on it that I can't even worship God. I'm not going to be so focused on it that I'm angry with people or I'm frustrated with the way that the world is going. Because at the end of the day, I control my own mind and what I'm going to focus on. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. And so what, should, what things should we be set in our mind on? Not the cares of this world. Not the cares of this world. This is why Jesus said in Mark 4, 19, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You hear the word of God. You know what the word of God says. You want the promises of God in your life. And then Satan comes in, gets you to get to think about the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and everything else. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why is my mind not right? Why can I not think about the things of God? Because you've been enticed. And that's really all the cares. Of, this is everything we talked about, right? The cares of the world. Isn't this what sets us uh, uh, on a wrong path? Here's what I don't understand. For you camping types. <laughs> You love to go camping. Get rid of all of your creature comforts. Go out in the middle of, actually, you don't even go in the middle of nowhere. You just go to a parking lot with trees with other campers. And you get away from everything, and somehow it brings you some something. I don't know. It's fun. And then, and then you come back to the real world, and, and you're upset with everything that you have after you just lived a week without it. How does that work? Like, I, I thought the whole point of camping was to learn to live without. And so to use the camping example that I, I know, because I went camping once 20 years ago, is that you can actually make it without uh, ha uh, most of the stuff that you have. Humanity did just fine for thousands of years without all the stuff that we've become accustomed to. They did just fine, man. They did fine with candles and fire and everything else. You're like, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to sit around and play with sticks. Like, I don't know. But they did fine for a lot of years. 
Because if you think about your life and your and, and the where, where you get spiritually, it's never usually spiritual attacks that really take you down. Yeah. That's not really what it is. It's when you get wrapped up in the cares of this world. That's when you start worrying and thinking about all these things. It's it's like this Russia thing, right? Have you guys heard about this? Russia, Ukraine. You may have heard about it. It's it's scary, like it is, right? If you think about it, it's sad, it's worrisome. I mean, there's, ta- I mean, you think about invasions and nuclear bombs and all these other things. It it can it could be daunting if you really get really involved in thinking about it, right? Um, but I can learn to speak Russian. Like I can still serve God if I'm speaking Russian. I can still serve God. Like if I get nuked and I die, like I'm just going to heaven. Like those are the worst case scenarios, right? Speaking Russian. Dying in a nuke, like, but if you put in that perspective, you're kind of like, well, if I'm here to serve God, it doesn't matter who my earthly uh, government is, right? I'll tell you what really scares me. It scares me if I can't get my coconut keto clusters. That's what really scares me. Really scares me if I can't get pizza and fried chicken. Scares me that I can't have a hot shower and a fan on me when I'm sleeping. I mean, I'm, just, I'm making funny of it, but that's really what it is, right? We, we worry about losing the creature comforts that we get accustomed to because they, they, make, they, they make us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. And we focus on them. We think, well, well if this happens, I'm going to lose this. I won't be able to play Wordle. Like, you know what I mean? This is you, man. This is me. This is what we do. The Bible people didn't have 99% of the creature comforts. And the Bible still said you're in danger of worldliness. What we fight, what we fight is an electronic diversionary materialism. Electronic diversionary materialism. I came up with that phrase this week. That's worth the whole price of admission right here. But that's what we deal with. Electronic diversionary materialism. It's what sucks us back into the cares of this world. It's what keeps us from serving God. I guarantee you, any one of you, when you're on your deathbed, is not going to be reaching out to your loved ones and going, bring me the new iPhone. None of you are going to say, show me my investments. I want to make sure they're up before I die. That's not in it. None of you. Show me one more. Binge watch Netflix in my room while I'm dying. First John 2, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And that's got to be a constant reminder for us as we walk through this world, friend. Interest rates are rising. Inflation is rising. Costs are up. But you just have to remind yourself sometimes, like, dude, this world is not my home. I'm going to die one day. I kinda, what, what do I care? It's fine. It's just money. They can make, obviously, they can make more of it, right? <laughs> We're confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Let me give you some free advice. Turn off your television. Get offline. Quit caring so much. Get around godly people and eat some good food and talk about the things of God. Go for a walk, man. Don't be concerned with all of the nonsense that's going on that, honestly, you are powerless to change anything about it. It'll suck you dry of your joy, I'll tell you that much. 
This world is so temporary, friend. It's very, very temporary, and so is our life. And so whatever earthly, fleshly things you care about today, you will not care about tomorrow. And it's not just about thinking about, and people are like, man, this is a great church service, so wish I'm dead. Great, Pastor, got it. <laughs> It's not about that. It's about the temporary nature of life, and it's having an eternal perspective. The Bible says that we need to encourage ourselves with the idea of eternity, of, of understanding what eternity is going to be like, to have a heavenly perspective. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Heavenly mansions, unity with Christ, no tears, no pain, all of those things that heaven provides. Think about those things. You have to set your mind on the things which are above love, not the things that are going on around you. And maybe you've never set your mind before. Maybe you've never set your heart before. And, and, and the Bible says that we can set our hearts for things that we want. If you really wanted to set your mind, if you really wanted to get your mind right, you could do it. But you just choose to not do it because you choose to think about other things. Let me give an example. I used to have a body like a Greek God. Um, uh, thanks, baby. My wife just said, you still do. Uh, yeah, like Thor in that one movie after they found him. <laughs> he was a Greek. <laughs> I still love you, baby. And... Um, and when I was in, I was kind of, I was always kind of a little fluffy in high school. And so I remember when I was in college, dude, I just decided, I was like, I'm getting ripped. And I did, dude. I was like this, you will see this picture at my funeral because it's going to be blown up. Um, I'm not going to do the funeral pic with the nasal cannula and the wheelchair. I'm like, honey, the one in 1997 with my shirt off. Put that one on the handout. I want people to look at it. I was yoked. I was stacked. I was all those things, right? And I can't even begin to describe to you what it takes to have something like that. Like, but I set my mind. I said, you know what, man? I'm going to do this. And I ate all the right things. I never ate the wrong things. I worked out diligently. I didn't hang out with people. I didn't go out on dates. And like, if people are like, hey, we're going out Friday. I'm like, have fun. I'm going to the gym. Maybe Friday night I'd be in the gym for like two and a half hours just like lifting weights because that's what it takes. But I, you set your mind on it and you can make it happen. But now I've set my mind on ice cream. <laughs> now I've set my mind on an extra plate of food. I've set my mind on fried donuts. Like, I don't care about those things. And I, don't, I share that story for you because it's funny, right? But the point of the story is, is that if you set your mind and say, you want, I want to get close to God, I'm going to remove all the distraction in my life that are keeping me from him. And I don't care what relationship that it costs me. I don't care what anything. If, if my goal is to be in Christ Jesus, if my goal is to be in relationship with him, I'm going to remove every single distraction in my life that is keeping me from walking with him. I'm going to set my mind. The Bible says this in 1 Chronicles 22, 19. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. But if you don't want that, just admit that that's not what you want. Don't, don't say, well, I can't get close with God. Yes, you can. If you would set your heart on it and say, this is what I want above all else, you would get a close relationship with God. You would grow in your relationship with him, but you are choosing something else. You want a comfortable life with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on it so you can live however you want and be able to tell people, well, I'm a Christian with no fruit in your life whatsoever. 
Set your heart right on him. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 91, 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Here's the end of it. We don't want to offend God. But unlike Peter, we can't become a stumbling block. We can just become an offense by the way that we live our lives. And so we don't want to live our lives in a way to offend God, right? We want to be our lives to be a sweet, pleasing aroma to him, not a rotten sandwich in the back of a closet somewhere. Amen? Amen. And so how do we do that? We set our minds right. We say, do you know what? I'm not going to think about earthly things. I'm going to think about heavenly things. I'm not going to think about temporary pain. I'm going to think about eternal glory. And I'm going to set my heart. I'm going to set my mind and say, do you want, I'm going to, I'm going to follow God, whatever it costs me. I'm going to take things out of my life that lead me astray. I'm going to play uh, the game every day in my head to keep those things out of my mind that lead me away from Christ and only put things in my mind that lead me towards him. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, I'd like to invite you to become one. And it's quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. If you haven't given your life to Jesus before, uh, we'd like to invite you to, to do that today. And it's really quite easy. You just have to say, you know what? I, I, am, I am in need of a Savior. I, I'm living away from Jesus. My life is filled with sin. You know it. And you find yourself in church here today and, and the word has gone forth and you've already been convicted by the Holy Spirit knowing that you need to leave that life of sin and live for, for Jesus. And we just want to pray with you this morning and give you the opportunity to respond. And what we do at our church is I'm going to ask you to do two things. One is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. The second thing that we ask you to do is to walk forward because we want somebody to be able to pray with you. And I think it's powerful to stand up and say, I want to live for Jesus. So if you've never made that decision before and you'd like to raise your hand today and say, I want to become a Christian, would you raise your hand this morning and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I see that hand. Praise God. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you'd like to, you can walk to the front and someone will pray with you this morning. This could be a moment in your life. If you really want to serve God, you stand up in a room full of Christians that are going to rejoice with you and say, you know what? We're going to walk with you as you walk towards Christ. Thank you, Lord. And maybe you've said that prayer before. It's been a few years, but you find yourself in church and you say, man, I am so far away, Pastor, but I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to rededicate my life. If you've been away from God for many years and you're ready to come back to Jesus, would you raise your hand this morning? We want to pray with you as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this, and this isn't hyperbole. 100% of us in this room probably have an area of our life that we need to get our mind right. A place in our life that we're thinking things we shouldn't think. We're believing things we shouldn't believe. And just quietly repent of those things before God and say, Lord, help me to get my mind right. Help me to keep my mind stayed on you. I want to be in perfect peace. Father, we commit today to keep our minds focused on things above and not things of this earth, Lord. We thank you that you give us your word to direct us, Lord. And we don't want to be an offense to you, Lord. Father, we want to be mindful of those things that are of you and keep our mind on those things. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.